Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 16. Let's pray. Let's uh, ask God's blessing. Father, we beseech you. It's your word. Um, Here we are. A lot of things. Some are in Maine. A lot of things we could be doing. We've come to this place at this time to hear your word, to worship you, Lord, to exalt you, to praise your holy name, and to learn from you. And Lord, we want all those things to happen. Mostly, Lord, we want your glory to go forth. Father, bless your word. Bless our hearts to receive. Tell us the things you would have us know. In Jesus' name, amen. Deuteronomy 16. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and of the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast seven days. Neither shall there anything, uh, there anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at even, Remain all night until the morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover with any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in. There thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. Thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt Uh, turn in the morning and go unto thy tents. Now, I have said many times, and I've been quoted as saying, and you know this, that it was incumbent upon the males in Jerusalem to appear at, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the males in Israel to appear in Jerusalem three times a year. Now, if you wonder where I get that from, this chapter, okay? Why the males? We don't have any females, no children. Well, of course we have females, and of course we have children. Why does God say, I want the males to be there? Hey, listen, I, I don't care if, it's, if this is politically correct or not. I never try to be politically correct. To be politically correct is to be biblically incorrect all the time, and I choose Bible over politics. Sue me. I'm teaching you Bible. I'm not teaching you politics, okay? Uh, we talk about politics because those, that comes up against what the Bible has to say. But you know, and I know, because we've seen it, in homes where dad goes to church, everyone goes to church. Now, we've seen it, and you know a situation right now where dad's off fishing, couldn't care about the things of the Lord, and there's a divided house. Mom's struggling to teach the kids, and she's not having very much success unless she's, I don't, I don't, should I say this? I'm going to say it. Unless she's very manipulative and a shrew and always gets her way, then the kids will always be in church or for at least a long time. But they'll push back. Hey, dad doesn't go to church. Why do I have to go to church? If dad goes to church, everyone goes to church. That's the way it was at our house, and the kids never, they were all hemmed in. Was there a time when they said, uh, you know, 10 and 11-year-old kids said, well, we don't want to go to church? I I don't even remember if that ever happened. It don't matter. Get in the car and go, we're going to church. 
It, it was easy peasy. I think that's why the Lord says, I want all the males to appear. Of course they're taking their families. The songs of ascent that we were in, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, these were the songs that they sang as they had their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Uh, and I would like to teach on, I'm going to teach on that when I teach through Psalms. I'm going to t- slow down and t- be very deliberate when I get to that section in two and a half years from now. <laughs> we'll see how that works. It's a big book, uh, and uh, more on that later. He wants the men to appear because that means everybody goes. And he wants the men to lead in the things of the Lord. I want my wife to lead as well, but I can't say, you know, to her when, when the kids were little, you know, and the, you do all the spiritual stuff, I'll take care of that. Does that work ever? Has that ever worked? Maybe, maybe God's gracious and maybe it works, but he knows something. Where men lead, and by the way, by the way, I don't say this to guilt anyone. I'm not guilt guy. You know better than that. I never try to, I'm just teaching the Bible. And if, and if you, your life and the Bible are at cross purposes and the Word of God is stepping on your toes, you've got to move your toes. I'm not going to soften it to make you feel good, but I'm not trying to guilt anyone. I never try to do that. That's not how I roll. Let's keep moving. You say, okay, first verse. Observe the month of Abib. You're saying, wait, wait, ho, 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 ho. Didn't you tell us that Passover is on the 14th of Nisan? Yes, I did. Just a different word for the same month. One of them is Jewish. One of them is Canaan. I can't remember which is which. Probably this one would be Jewish if God's saying it, but I, don't quote me on that. Uh, it's the same month, though, okay? It's the first month of the spiritual calendar. The Jewish catechism is the calendar. I've said that before. And this is their first month. You say, the first month of Israel is... In September, it's Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, Adam. That's their civil calendar. They have a civil calendar, they have a spiritual calendar. This is the first month in their spiritual calendar. You say, I don't know, what are you talking about? We have fiscal calendars. We have like a baseball year. It doesn't, it doesn't start in January and end in December. You know, we have a, a, a birthday and we have a spiritual birthday if we're born again. And those aren't concurrent. We understand two different, you know, uh, we, have, uh, we have different ways of co- you know, counting different things. Well, they have the same thing in, in Israel. This is their first month of the spiritual month. A mo- a mo- observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. What was that all about? You remember the plagues and Moses and God was punching all their uh, the Egyptian gods right in the mouth and saying... They're nothing. I am the real God. And so much so that when Egypt, when Israel left Egypt, some of the Egyptians went with, thinking, our gods, they never did us anything. They had, like, for instance, they had a god, Hecht. Have you ever seen in hieroglyphs, it's a woman's body with a frog's head? Would you worship a frog goddess? I don't think I would. Sorry, all things being equal. Um, and that had to do with prolific and... Uh, having a lot of offspring and because frogs do 
And so that was, you know, worship of, but then God took the frogs and laid them up in heat, you know, the, the frogs everywhere, they were in their kneading troughs, they were in their ovens, they were in bed with them, and they collected all the frogs, put them in big stacks. So they had a, big stacks of rotting goddesses, and God says, how do you feel about that now? Uh, look, they worshiped the Nile, he turned it to blood. They worshiped the sun god, Ra, he gave Ra a black eye. Uh, hey, can you hear me now? I'm God. There's no other gods. These deities you're worshiping, they're nothing. And God graciously revealed himself to the Egyptians, albeit in some startling and some painful ways. Um, and finally, the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. Hey, look, this is what I want you to do. Here's the prescription. You kill a lamb. You take the blood, you take a hyssop, it's a little branch, like a paintbrush kind of thing, and you sprinkle the door. The death angel will, will see that, and he'll pass over the Passover, right? He'll pass over the house, and the ones behind the blood, they won't die. What happens if Egyptian people were behind a door that had blood on it? They're good. What happens if Jewish people said, no, I... I yeah, okay, I see what's going on here, but I don't have to actually do that. It would go very poorly. They would have a death in that house, firstborn son. It was all about the blood. It was all about faith, and, and, and the faith looked like obedience. It looked like actually doing that, and that stopped the angel from taking somebody's life in that house. That is when God saved I I Israel, when he purchase them with the, with the blood of the lamb. It's a picture of salvation. And so, of course, they keep it every year because every year you should remember salvation. You have a, you have a, a day you were born again that you remember that you're actually an adult, like February 14th, 1980. I got saved, okay? Valentine's Day. I made Jesus Christ my Valentine that year and ever since. And that's how it worked out for me. And I recognize that. I don't celebrate it, but I think back on it often. I was uh, fat, dumb, and happy on my way to hell, celebrating the fact, if you, if you want to be tr true about it, and God interrupted my destruction with salvation. Praise his holy name. That's worth celebrating. That's worth remembering. That's worth looking back on. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock, of the herd, in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. That eventually becomes Jerusalem, we know that. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. You can't have any bread with yeast. You say, why? You know, I love yeast rolls. They're wonderful. It's a, it's a delicious bread. What, what is and by the way, leaven is good for you. Yeast is good for you. It's good for your garden. I saw some like garden hacks where you put this together, this yeast product, with, and you put, squirt it on your, or put it on your uh, uh, cucumbers, and they respond immediately. I think it worked. I have the best cucumber crop ever this year. I think it worked. Yeast is good. It's a good thing. And God's saying, no yeast, no yeast. <laughs> I don't want any yeast. What, what, is, what is he withholding from us? It's a picture of sin. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And that's how yeast works. A little bit of it, it permeates the whole loaf. He's talking to the Corinthian church. They're allowing sin in the church. And he says, that's not a good idea. A little sin, it permeates the whole... Well, you say, what about us? We're sinners. How do we ever have church? What are we going to do? Get rid of all the sinners? 
uh, I think not, but how about getting rid of all the sin? What do you mean? Well, I don't have like, a long history of, how about you? Did you come this morning? You, did you, you know, were you in like pornography this morning and then went to church? Did you, or, or what, or what? You know what I mean? We, we, we find ourselves in sin. What do we do? We repent. What happens? Well, God's, God's gracious. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as I find myself in sin, I turn from it, I repent, and we're, we're cool again. Is, 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 is there really a need to repent in the sense like, hasn't God forgiven all my sin, even the sin I haven't committed yet? Didn't Jesus pay for all my sin? Yes, I think he did. But it's like, I, I think it, I look at it like a, me and Suze, we're married. Most of you guys know that. Um, so I sin, I'm short with her and I yell at her and I call her a, a, not that this would ever happen, okay. I'm just using this teaching moment. Uh, you dumb blonde, you, and I say some wicked thing and then I hurt her feelings and now she's all upset. We're still married, you know. But I really, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I, and I, usually flowers are involved or something. Uh, or or just, just in a pause, sincere apology. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was having a flesh eruption now. I didn't mean to call your name or whatever. And it kind of clears the air. I think it's the same with the Lord. It's not that he, okay, you know what happens? You sin and sin and sin and sin. Then you come to a place you get born again. But after you're born again, and maybe you notice this, you have still this flesh, you still have a tendency to sin, and sometimes you actually sin. I know it's surprising you. you. You can't even believe it. You can't get your mind around that. So what happens in a situation like that? You're not born again. You're going to hell. You sin. Wage of sin is death. There it is. But then you ask for forgiveness. Now you're born again again. The spirit that you had in you, once you sin, he's out. And then you, Susan's shaking her head. Because you know I'm being facetious. or I'm, you, you know I'm not saying this uh, sincerely. You know I'm using a, a teaching example that's not exactly true. I don't think the relationship with God changes when we sin. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. He won't bless your sin. He won't bless your rebellion. But we don't have to get born again again. But I think we do need to clear the air. I think we need to come place of humility. Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, what, what's, what is with me? Lord, can you work in this area in my life? I don't want to be that guy. I don't want, I'm ready to explode all the time and everyone's walking around me on eggshells. Oh, it's like I'm a, a hand grenade with the pin pulled. And I don't want to be that guy, Lord. Help me to take things not so serious or whatever it is that the issue is. Will he respond to that? I want to become more like Jesus. Do you think God blesses that kind of prayer? Because I think he does. I really think he does. No leaven. Leaven's a picture of sin. No leaven. It's a picture of purity. He called us out of Egypt to be a people to himself, which means sinless. John 
Don't eat any unleavened bread. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. By the way, after the seven days, it's, a, it's just a picture. If you go home and you have yeast rolls for lunch, it's not a picture of anything. It's a picture of you like yeast rolls. It's not, it's not in perpetuity forever. You've got to eat pita bread and crackers and nothing with yeast in it. Okay, it, it's just a picture, and, it, and it's a picture at, at the Passover, so there's no leaven, okay? And, and it runs right into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread there, therewith, even the bread of affliction, for thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. When I left Egypt, God wants me to remember that forever. You say, Adam, you've been in Egypt? No, Egypt is a metaphor of the world. Slavery. I came out of that. I'm free. It is for freedom that Christ set me free. Don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And God wants me to remember that all the days of my life. Praise his holy name. I think it's a good thing. Thank you, Lord, for one, saving me, two, for making me free from sin, uh, three, uh, and telling me to remember that. So I never get really too big for my britches. It's easy for me to stay within myself like you know people say oh that was awesome teaching and I'm like yeah it was yeah it was <sighs> no it, one it's his word okay he gave me the script two he gave me a gift maybe I, I you know what I mean I, I believe that but you can't listen I'm a sinner saved by grace praise him I get that uh so this week I die. Next week there'll be somebody else here, hopefully holding forth the word of God. And it will take as long to, to replace me as like put your hand in a pail of water and then take it out all of a sudden and see how the water just finds its own level again. That's how long it will take to replace me. I, I, I'm nothing special. I totally get that. God is special. His word is special. Me, nothing special. Thank you for reminding me, Lord. You saved me. You did the work. Now, this is why I hate religion. This is why I hate religion. I hate it. You, you, you're, doing, you're doing this religious activity, you, one of two things. You perceive that you're doing it poorly, and you're always sad. Oh, I'm not doing enough, and I'm never going to get there, and I'm never going to make it, and I'm always walking around all downcast and everything else. Or I perceive I'm doing it great. Thumbs under the suspenders. Look at how awesome I am. I am so awesome. I'm keeping all the do's. I'm not doing any of the don'ts. Oh, man. My, I'm all that. Yeah, I know. It makes you kind of want to puke, huh? But religion will have one of those two results every time. Am I religious? No, I just trust the Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. You did all the work. I didn't do anything. Thank you, Lord. I just believed. I just accepted. It's a better system, isn't it? Okay. Don't eat any leavened bread. <laughs> there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast. Seven days neither shalt thou eat anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest in the first day of the evening. Remain all night until the morning. You can eat the entirety of the sacrifice. What's that? You don't pick and choose. It's not like you take Jesus and you pick. You, the whole, you take Jesus. You know, I really like the, the humble the fact that Jesus, I like that. But the fact that he's like down on sin, going sin, I don't like that. So I'm going to, you know, pick and I'm going to, no, no, no. You eat the whole lamb. Nothing remains until the morning. And I think that's what we're looking at here. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover with any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. 
Well, that's what they do now. They don't go to Jerusalem. There's no temple there. And I have had Passover with Jewish people. Maybe you have had the same thing. I think I'd like to do a, a Passover Seder sometime. I say that, but then it always sneaks up on me, and I, and I don't. Um, it's not, it's not, you don't get to select, but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover, even at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. Roast it, okay, yay. Barbecue time, roast it. I don't want to boil it. I don't even boil lamb. I don't know if I, lamb is the best, by the way. If you've never had lamb, rack of lamb. Lamb is wonderful. You're making a face. You don't love lamb. I love lamb. Thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt turn in the morning and go unto thy tents. Okay, six days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. On the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. A solemn assembly to God means no work. Why? Festivity, fun time. And we'll see that in the next one. Thou, uh, seven weeks thou shalt number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou... Beginnest to put the sickle to the corn, and thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God, with tribute of a freewill offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou, and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy manservant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gate, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, that are among you, in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember, thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Okay, let's look at these verses, 9 through 12. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Seven. More being a Sabbath keeper than going to church on Saturday and refraining from work on Saturday. There's a, there's a, a Sabbath of, of days, a Sabbath of weeks, a Sabbath of months, and a Sabbath of years. We're in the Shemitah, the seventh year, right now. I don't know how many of you are observant. <laughs> you can't have a garden in the seventh year. You say, I thought you just said your cucumbers were doing good. I, I'm not a Sabbath keeper. I don't believe in it. And like I say, it's a lot more than just uh, I go to church on, uh, on, on Saturday. It's a lot more than that. Here's one of the examples. You're going to keep a feast of weeks. Seven weeks thou shalt number unto thee. Seven times seven is 49. On the 50th, Pentecost, that's what's being celebrated here. It's the second time you've got to be. And by the way, so you have a spring feast of uh, unleavened bread. You've got to be in Jerusalem. You have a summer feast, uh, Pentecost, you have to be in Jerusalem. And you have a fall feast. Uh, and I'll give it away, Feast of Booths, um, that you have to be in Jerusalem again. So you get three times you have to go to Jerusalem. Spring, summer, fall. This is the summer one. After, and by the way, you count after the Feast of First Fruits, which is the morrow after the Sabbath after Passover. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's what it says in Scripture. What's the morrow after the Sabbath? Sunday. Sunday after the Sabbath, right? After Passover. Jesus rose from the dead on the feast of first fruits. By the way, I have to address this. The spring feast, our Passover lamb died on Passover. The bread of life was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. Jesus Christ, the first fruits of them that slept, resurrected on the feast of first fruits. And now, this one hanging out here in the summer, 
Pentecost. What happened on Pentecost? Pentecost happened on Pentecost. We'll read about that here directly. Now, the fall feasts, there's three of them, have nothing to do with Jesus' second coming. Uh, uh, tongue planted firmly in cheek, right? But we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, their dress rehearsals is the word. The word for festival, uh, for solemn assembly is dress rehearsal. They were keeping what was going to happen opening night, if you want to look at it that way, dress rehearsal. Anyway, seven days you're going to number, begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn, corn there is grain, and the grain would be barley, by the way. Thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with the tribute of a freewill offering in thy hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. It's a thank offering, and we have it in the summer. Their harvest is a little bit ahead of ours. They're closer to the equator than we are. And what they're doing is giving a thank offering to the Lord. And there is rejoicing, verse 11. Why? Because God's blessed us. Listen, you know, uh, look at 11... And thou shalt rejoice. And look at uh, Tabernacles in verse 14. Thou shalt rejoice. God wants us to rejoice. He wants us to party. Now, party's a, a when we verb it, you know, it's a bad, hey, do you party? What I'm asking you is do you take lots of drugs? Uh, do you drink recklessly? And do you act stupid and not be able to remember the next day? Hey, do you party? Remember that guy at that concert? Hey, do you uh, buzz on? And she's like, no, why don't you buzz off? You've got to love a girl like that, right? And anyway, uh, when I'm saying party, I'm talking about, do you take drugs? No, God, no. Let's rescue that word. Let's sanctify it. God wants us to rejoice. He wants to, we should have parties like all the time. Why? We're going to heaven. Jesus saved us. He, he's so ridiculous with his love. Look at, look at how ridiculous is Jesus. He loves you. I, I get one better than that. He loves me. God so loved the whole world. He saved us. Isn't his love like incredible? Isn't it ridiculous? We got to rejoice over that. He's blessed us. We got this blessing. We, uh, you know, our crops and you don't have to garden. He's blessed you, blessed you. You, you buy your vegetables. That's how much he's blessed you. You don't even have to grow them. You go to the store and somebody else grow them for you. And the green giant, they'll be happy to give you all that you want to purchase. Isn't God good? He's awesome good. You, got, you live in an apartment. You live in a, 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 a some little rinky. You don't even have any land. You know, what are you going to do? Grow window boxes and that's your whole how you're going to live? Maybe. I don't think it's a bad thing. But he, he, God's blessed us. We have all we want. We have all we need. He's, he's really good to us. And uh, Pentecost was about a blessing. It was about a harvest, a harvest of souls. Uh, 3,000 was saved that day. Read uh, the second chapter of the book of Acts. Thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God. I think a lot of times we're like all somber and stuff. There's a place for it. Is Passover a celebration? Yeah, no. We keep the Lord's table. Is that a celebration? Uh, he saved us. We were sinners. There's nothing celebratory about sinning. Now, he saved us. That's kind of a reason to celebrate, but he paid such an awful price. And what we're doing at that Lord's table is remembering what Jesus paid to secure our eternity, our, our 
he adopted us into his forever family, but he paid such an awful price. It's not really a time for celebration, is it? It's a time for observance. Oh, there's a celebratory aspect to it. And by the way, when people talk about Jesus' death, very often they talk about it like a travesty, a horrible thing happened. It was the greatest accomplishment in the history of history. There was nothing better. I'm not, who's that doctor death years ago? That guy with physician-assisted suicide. Oh, Kevorkian, remember him? Uh, okay, there was some psycho Charles Manson stuff going on there, just some helter-skelter kind of. He was talking about the death of Jesus, and if he was there to help him and assist him in his suicide, that was such an ignominious way to die. I'm thinking like, you're elevated. Don't go all the way to the top, partner. You got problems. There was a point to the cross. I'm glad Jack Kevorkian wasn't around to assist Jesus. It wasn't uh, ignominious. It was glorious. It was the price is paid. It is finishedness to it. But it's very somber. Think of the price that was paid. So we don't celebrate that. We celebrate salvation. We celebrate the blessings that are ours in Christ. And here we rejoice before the Lord. Our sons, our daughters, our manservants, our maidservants, Levites, strangers, fatherless, widows, everyone rejoice uh, that they're among you. And the place which the Lord that God has chosen to place his name there. You've got to remember, you were a bondman in Egypt. And thou shalt observe to do these statutes. Were you a bondman in Egypt? Yeah, you were a slave to sin. Yes, you were a slave to sin. Listen, yes, you were a slave. You can stop sinning regardless. I don't know that we all agree on that all the time. And now he set us free. Free from what? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. How about fear? How about bitterness? How about lust? How about anger? How about Fill in the blank. I, I know Christians who smoke, and I shouldn't pick out smoking. I just, I just look at a little three-inch piece of tobacco. This is whipping me. I can't stop to save my I can't. I can't. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I, are you serious? Are you serious? The Holy Spirit of God in you, the creator of the universe, has enough power in you to stop you from... I understand. I used to work with drug and alcohol people. They say, listen... Drugs, that was tough. Alcohol, that was tough. But I can tell you, stop smoking, that was killer. I get it. But people who aren't even spared filled stop smoking. How does that happen? Don't tell me I'm a victim of lust. I just can't quit. I'm a victim. I'm anger. Everyone's walking around me all the time. Like I'm like this guy, like I said earlier, like a grenade with the pin pulled. And everyone's, you know, but I can't stop. No, you were a bondman in Egypt. You're free now. This is the glorious truth of the gospel. You're free. You were a bondman in Egypt. Thou shalt observe and do these statues. Now, Feast of Tabernacles, seven days after thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine, thou shalt rejoice in the feast, thou and thy son, thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, that within thy gates, Seven days thou shalt keep a solemn feast on the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy increase. So it's another harvest, right? And this is, the first one is the barley harvest. This is like wheat. And in all the works of thine hands, therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the feast of unleavened bread, 
in the Feast of Weeks, in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. The third one is Feast of Tabernacles. And I'll just say here, because he doesn't go into it. You build a booth, a temporary dwelling place, out of tree limbs, palm fronds, just, and you live in it, like camping out. Does this sound like fun to you? Because me and Susan were like, uh, camp. We do. Listen, I do my, much of my life is designed so I'm not sleeping outside on the ground. Okay, I, I mean, I work hard, I save my money, I pay my uh, mortgage, uh, so I don't sleep outside on the ground. I know, I know some of you people do that for fun. Okay, this sounds like a gas, though, it really does. You get to construct it in such a way that the wind blows through it. What's that? I think it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit moving through your life. You've got to construct in such a way. And this isn't scriptures. This is the way they do it. So you can see the stars at night. And it reminds us what the heavens speak of, the glory of God. And it reminds us that we live in God. And it, rem- it, it takes them back to Egypt when they were living out of Egypt, when they are living in booths, temporary dwellings. And we remind, we remain, we're reminded of our temporariness here. I think a lot of big problem all the time is we think this is all there is and we live like this is all there is. A hundred years from today, none of this will matter. What job you got? I got a really good job, you say. A hundred years from now, nobody cares. Well, I, got this, I just bought this new car and a hundred years from today, nobody cares what car you drove. Not even on the radar. Nobody cares. None at all. You're going you're gonna to get on Facebook in heaven or hell, right? Yeah, I drove a 67 Camaro. Oh, man, it was just mint. It was, no, we don't care. We do not care. hundred years from now, the only thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus Christ. We act like this is all there is. This is, a, uh, it's such a, it's a vapor. It appears for a while, and then it goes away. It's a puff of mist. Now, we want to make the most of our mist by serving Jesus Christ. Ten decades, uh, uh, three score and ten, right? By reason of strength. That, that means, by the way, <laughs> that means only get eight left. I'm okay with that. I mean, really, I'm okay. By reason of strength, 80. I think I'm in reasonably good. I'm going 80. I'm just, uh, I think uh, the rapture's going to happen in between, but that's just me, okay? Whatevs. Uh, you know, I don't, ca- I don't care. This is such a temporary situation, and we act like this is all there is. You've ha- you got to think past. Live life. Grab it by the throat. You only go around once. Do it with gusto. Live for Jesus Christ. Don't let any opportunities pass. Having said that, this isn't all there is. When I'm really, listen, let's say I live to be 80. Let's say I live to be 90. It's not that long from now. At 62 years old, there's more behind me than there is ahead of me. It goes by really quick. I can remember being a little kid. When did we get married? Two, three weeks ago? Seems like, and then we look up 43 years later, how did that happen? It's a mist. Make the most of it. But you know, if you're like, you're 60 or you're in your 50s, you realize it goes by pretty quick. 
This isn't all there is. It's temporary, and I think that Booth helps us to remember the temporariness of it. Judges and officers shall, though, make thee in all thy gates. They voted for their judges and officers. Obviously, thou shalt make thee, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Oh, it sounds so good. We have the best judicial system in the world. You get all the justice money can buy. It's wonderful. Uh, again, factor in the sarcasm. Thou shalt not rest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons. I would to God that that were true in America. Would to God that were true in America. They get a little girl out in front of the lady justice. She got the blindfold on. She's no respecter of persons. Would to God that were true. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift. What's that, a bribe? For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that, which, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Uh, so there's justice, uh, judgment, that's what God wants. Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near the altar, of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee, neither shalt thou set thee up any image which the Lord thy God hateth. Um, it's talking about Asherah, uh, worship of Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth uh, goes by many names. It's sexual, it's deviant, it's false worship. God forbids it. Uh, thou shalt not set thee up any image, sacred statue, which the Lord thy God hateth. I talked about the groves before. Shady activity happens there. It was all sexual. I can't say a whole lot in this situation. Uh, it was phallic symbols, and also um, that's the the image that's being talked about here. Think obelisk. And if you know the history behind that, enough said. Fred, let's move on to chapter 17. Thou shalt not sacrifice unto thy God any bullock or sheep when is blemish or any evil favoredness. There's a word for you. For that is an abomination of the Lord thy God. Um, still talking about false worship. Now we're worshiping the Lord, but we're worshiping with evil. Some has a blemish or evil favoredness. <laughs> Whatever, right? Uh, God says that's disgusting. Why? Because all things devoted to the Lord in worship, it's like... Uh, you eating bread without yeast. It's a picture of sin. Here, this lamb or bull or ox or goat or turtle dove or whatever it is that's being offered to God has to be without blemish because it's a picture of Jesus Christ who is without sin. So, you, like I say, you get a blind sheep or a three-legged goat. Hey, God. Hey, God. He's saying your governor wouldn't like that if you gave it to him. I sir, I'm a great God. I certainly don't like that. But it's, it's, you, don't, you didn't get the picture. Pictures are important in Scripture. Do you remember when Moses smote the rock the second time? God said, speak to the rock. He, he smote the rock, and the rock opened up and poured out water and blessed the people. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. Smitten, and the blessings, blessings come forth. Isn't that a good picture? Now speak to the rock. 
It would be a picture, if he did it right, of, God's, of Jesus' second coming. When Jesus comes back, will he be smitten again? Um, no. <laughs> no. Jesus comes back, and as we read in like Isaiah 63, he's the smiter. He's not the smitten one. He's the judge of the whole planet. He's the victor in Armageddon. He comes and he sets everything right. Does somebody rip his beard off? smack them around a little bit, nail them to a tree, uh, not so much. Moses smiting the rock the second time messed up the picture. God's very serious about pictures. Don't give me a three-legged lamb. Don't, if it has any blemish, it's, it's no good. That's what is being, it's not like, hey, a lot of good meat on that. God's not really eating meat in heaven. You sacrifice him, it goes up in smoke, and God's sitting there, and a steak appears on his plate, and he actually eats it, right? It's a picture, an offering to the Lord, a sweet savor. Um, and keep the picture in place. No, no blemish, nothing like that. If there be any among you with, uh, found among you within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a man or a woman that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God, and transgressing his covenant. We're not talking about simple sin. There's a remedy for that. You bring an offering to the priest. You have done thus and such. You make the offering, and it, and it covers your sin. Uh, it happens annually at Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Okay, there's, there's remedies, but this is a rebellion against God. And what does it look like? And hath gone and served other gods and worshipped them. Guess what? They ain't coming. They ain't bringing those sheep. They ain't going to make any. They've gone off after Ashtoreth. They've gone to worship Baal and Molech and Chemosh and all these other gods. And God says, that's a bad thing. Either the sun or the moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded... And it be told thee, and thou hast heard of it, well, it's just hearsay, and inquired diligently. So you have to do a little investigation here. And behold, it is true, and the thing certain that such an abomination is wrought in Israel. In Israel is kind of important. You don't try this in America. I know someone who worships Molech. Well, I'm just going to... I'm going to stone them. I'm dragging them to the public square and stone them. It is impossible to get a stoning permit in America. You will never get one. And this is the land of multi. You can come. You can be anything. In America. You can be a Buddhist in America. We're all good with that. You know, come right on. And you got a trade. You got a restaurant to open. You got a service to provide. You got, hey, come on in. Legally, the water's fine. We open our gates up and. Everyone can come in. Give us your, what is it, tired, you're wretched, you're yearning to be free. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm really good with that. I, I'm not good with unlawful entry into the country. The, the word unlawful. Illegal aliens, aliens, fine. Illegal kind of stresses me out a little bit. You're saying everyone should be allowed to come. Listen, heaven's got a gate. It's got walls. It really does. And it's got a very stringent policy about who gets in and who stays out. Everyone who wants to get in can get in. Well, yeah, but you've got to come in through the door. And the door is Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, Jesus says, anyone who comes to the Father, he's got to come through me. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. So we do, there is policy in heaven, and there is a wall, and there is 
those who are outside wanting to get in. Again, come legally, heaven would say. More the merrier. It's plenty big. Don't worry about anything like that. But you've got to come the way God prescribes. There's no Rio Grande to swim across. Uh, we have some friends who are in, in border control. They're up in Calais now, and it's kind of good. If somebody runs across the International Bridge, they tackle them, bring them back. It's fine. He said he's down like Rio Grande. People come in. They high-five him as they walk past him. There's nothing they can do. Their hands are tied. It's, and he was just telling me this, what, a couple months ago when I was up in Calais. He had a tour down there, and it's bad. It's bad. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, you, can't get any, you can't do this in America. Then thou shalt bring forth that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing under the gates, even the man or that woman. Thou shalt stone them with stones till they die. Wow, that's harsh. Yep. Read, uh, let's go to our book of uh, Revelation. We've been here before. In uh, 17 and 18, God judges Babylon. 19, the return of Jesus Christ. 20, the uh, great white throne judgment. 21, the eternal order. They lived happily ever after. Before any of that starts, in chapter 16, it's the end of the tribulation, okay? This is the mop-up, the last that God has to say about the wickedness on the earth. Verse 19, the great city was divided into three parts. The cities and the nations fell. Great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Is God upset? Oh, very. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Wow. Wow. Okay. It's not the uh, world we've come to know and love. God's like shaking it like a snow globe. Why? False worship. To wit, the worship of the Antichrist. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. What's happening? God's stoning the inhabitants of the earth for false worship. And I think the stoning in the interim part is a picture of that day that's coming. God stones, and he has people stone those who are worshiping falsely in Israel. Uh, don't do this. You can, God brings people of different religions to us, I think, in America, so we can witness to them. That's my take on it. But God's going to deal with people who have rebelled against him their whole life. Now, uh, in Israel, at the mouth of two or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. Why? We have some exes. They hate each other. You know, they used to love each other. And they hate each other. And they can't stand each other. Yeah, he, he had a little... The reason I had to divorce him, he had this little shrine in the basement. And he worshipped Molech. And you know that would happen all the time. So it's the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's a, all through Scripture that happens, the mouth of two or three witnesses. You've got to search, see it diligently, see if this thing is so. Um, you find a Scripture, and it says this, and you're thinking, hmm, is this a translation thing? Is this seems to stand alone. I don't think there's any standalone verses. Uh, someone told me, uh, uh, I was telling somebody, about John 3.3, 3, except a man be born again, if not see the kingdom of God. He said, where else to say that? And I had about seven or eight. And I thought, how about this? How about this? How about this? Because that's the only place in Scripture. That's the, no, no, no. That's silly. He, uh, he's begotten us again to a living hope. Begotten us again. Read here, born again. 
And it, over and over in Scripture, typologically and verbatim. Uh, why? In the mouth of two or three witnesses may every word be established. God doesn't put anything in Scripture one place that I know about. You know what I mean? It's, it's, why, why is it... Why isn't scripture like the way it is? Here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, I think it's because, one, that the, the message is diffused to the whole book. It's all about Jesus. If Satan were to say one book was not true, let's say he could tell us that, he could con convince everyone, the scholars, and the book of John wasn't true, what would you lose? You wouldn't be able to believe in God anymore. You wouldn't be able to believe in Jesus you'd lose a little resolution. But there's nothing in John that isn't all through the rest of the, God, the Bible. And I think that's the why it was built the way it was. Not that Satan could ever do that or God would ever allow that. Satan's attack is against Genesis. If Genesis isn't true, if the foundations crumbled, what else is the rest of the book standing on? So this is a fierce fight. Uh, if you or a reasonable person, watch the Genesis channel, by the way, and you, all, any doubts you had, any belief you had in evolution, they would wreck it so thoroughly you'd never be able to reconstruct it. But that's a story for another time. Let's keep going. Uh, so in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the hands of the witnesses, verse 7, shall be upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people, so thou shalt put the evil away from among you. Um, if there rise a matter too hard for thee in judgment between blood and blood, between plea and plea, between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within thy gates, then shalt thou arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites, unto the judges, the judge that shall be in those days, and inquire, and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment. You don't have to do that now. You have to just start on YouTube, a competent video by someone who knows what they're talking about, and they generally will instruct you in what you need to know. Hey, what about the cities of refuge and all this stuff on? By the way, Chuck Missile is a great resource. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of them. I, you know, if I start naming them, I'll leave some off, I'm sure. I like to lean towards Calvary Chapel. Sometimes I like to lean towards other guys just to kind of see what the, like, the Reformed guys are saying and different things. I'm Calvary Chapel through and through, but not, we don't have the corner of the truth market all sewed up and nobody else knows anything. And I've never said that we did. But God's taken the Levites. By the way, there's 48 cities from Dan to Beersheba of Lev Levitical cities. Like a day's journey away at, at tops. So you go to the Levitical city, you find a Levite. Hey, you know, I was reading this, and what does this mean when God says, they shall look upon him whom they pierced, for instance? Oh, and the Levite would hopefully give an answer. And by the way, good luck on that one. And thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of that place, which the Lord shall choose, shall show thee. And thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee. Is this incumbent upon us to keep tithes? They would go to the Levites and say, and the Levites say, yeah, you've got to tithe for this, you've got to tithe for that, you've got to tithe for this, you've got to tithe for that. We were looking at that Wednesday night, were we not? Is it incumbent upon the church? I think we settled in our group, no, it's incumbent upon the church that we give. I've never been pushing the tithe around here. Say, you don't tithe, Adam? Well, actually, our giving is 10% or more. I mean, it's how we've always, easy math, right? So that's how we've always done it. 
But I've never, I'm not, you better tithe or you're going to have, I've never been that guy. You know, but, you, but if you go to Levi and he's going to say, they don't have a New Testament principle of giving. They do have the tithe in the Old Testament. And he, he'll take you to where Abraham was told to tithe, uh, Abraham tithe to Melchizedek, where Ma- Malachi says, why are you robbing me, God says. Bring the tithe into the storehouse and see if I don't bless you immensely and stuff. And the Levite would show him all that stuff and say, yeah, the answer is yeah, you have to tithe, etc., etc." I just picked that. That's not, that's not what I'm all about. Thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee. Verse 11, according to the sentence of the law which they shall teach thee, according to the judgment which they shall tell thee, thou shalt do. Thou shalt not decline from the sentence which thou shalt show thee to the right hand or to the left. Much of my ministry is talking to people about why they think they're the exception to the Bible. Talking about victory over fear. Oh no, you know, when I, and now they're going to tell me why fear is okay in their life or lust or greed or. I will say, I will teach, and, you know, about the, you know, man who. Whatever I'm on, right? And then someone will come and tell me and try to, you know, I'm too cool for school and I don't have to obey that because, and they'll show me why in this situation the Bible doesn't apply to them. He said, no, you go on the Levite and he gives you the answer. Do what he tells you to do. Isn't it that? It's all there is to it. It's not like you get, to, you get veto power. And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest and standeth to minister there uh, before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die. I take my word very seriously. God says, don't worry. Don't worry, you come and ask me a question, and I tell you, and you don't do what I tell you. You're not going to die. We don't, we don't do that, but in the Old Testament, they took it very, very seriously. You don't, you don't get a chance to, uh, thou shalt put away the evil from Israel, and all the people shall hear and fear, and do no more presumptuously. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, thou shalt say, I will set a king over me like as all the nations that are about me. Homework t- this week. It looks in 1 Samuel, they want to make a king, and God selects Saul. And it looks like, hey, we just thought of this thing. No, God's got it all planned ahead, and of course we would know that. You're going to set a king about you? Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among thy brethren... Shalt thou set king over thee, thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. This is why you cannot be born in another country besides America. You can if you're an American citizen. Let's say your parents are in China. They're serving as ambassadors to China or something, or something like this. But you're an American citizen born in China. So what happened to uh, McCain. He wasn't born in America, but he was an American citizen. You're okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger running for president? No. Kissinger? No. Not American citizens. This is where that comes from. You're saying, you're kidding me. No, I'm not. This is why you, get, you, you can't be... In, if you're an American citizen, you can run for president. If you run for president, I'll, I'll vote for you. I'll tell, <laughs> tell you that right now. Anyone here, you got my support. Uh, but uh, as long as you're American... 
Uh, and, and this is, actually goes over to that. No stranger. Why? Because you don't know. You're not, you don't know what it is to be an American. And he, he, you don't know what it is to be Israel. Uh, so God says, no stranger, which is not your brother. He shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt. To the end, they should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said to thee, you shall henceforth return no more that way. I don't, what, what has God got against horses? Nothing, of course. God invented horses. And you love horses, don't turn against God. He, he loves horses too. You just can't multiply them in the sense that a king would. It is the tank of the day. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. We will trust in the Lord our God. So it's a trust issue, not a horse issue, okay? Don't go back to Egypt to multiply horses. But boy, I wish all the kings did what God told them to do. I wish they did now. Say, what, we have a horse issue? No, but they multiply tanks and they multiply armaments. I'm not secure because we got more nukes than anybody else. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. God would bless us. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Uh, 700 wives, 300 concubines. Uh, in case you're keeping score, it's 999 too many. Say, but all the kings did that. Yeah, and they weren't supposed to. They weren't supposed to. What about David? David is a man after God's own heart. And it led to his downfall. One wife for one man per life. Now, uh, by the way, your marriage is going to end very badly, either in death or divorce. Those are your only options. Or rapture. I hope that's the one. Uh, it always ends that way. That's why we promise till death do us part. Hopefully it won't be divorced. And if you're divorced and remarried, I don't want to rain down any, make this your last marriage. I'll be very happy with that. Um, but, you know, or we're going to die. One of us dies. That dissolves the marriage automatically. That's how it works. More than one wife? That's a, no, no. Oh, by the way, what's up with Solomon? You want a thousand mother-in-laws? Just saying. That's a bad idea. Don't multiply wives to yourself. And it, it, he didn't listen. Did it turn his heart away from the Lord? Yeah, it did. You can be wise, but if you don't follow in Scripture, you end up acting real dumb. Don't multiply wives. Don't multiply silver or gold. And these are all trust issues. It shall be when he sit upon the throne of his kingdom, he shall write him a copy of the law in a book out of that which is before the priests and Levites. Would to God that all our presidents, all our judiciary would do this. All our senators, all our congressmen and women would do this. This would be a wonderful thing. Sit down, shut up, write out Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy by hand. Don't type it out. Don't cut and paste. In your own hand, write it out. And then keep it with you all the days of your life and refer to it often. That's the plan. It shall be with him, he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them. Not to know them, not to recite them, not to put them behind glass and put them up on your wall, which is wonderful. But at the end of the day, if you're not obedient, I don't care how many plaques and how many trips you made to Hobby Lobby and how wonderfully decorated your house is. If you're not doing it, who cares, right? Statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren. That would be a problem for a king. 
that he turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. James says, you know, it's a crazy thing. We look into the law, the law of liberty, and we don't do what it says. Well, like someone beholding their face in a mirror, and then we walk away and forget what we look like. I hope that's not true of us this morning. God has some things to say to us. And I hope we just let them resonate in our heart and we're toward the Lord. You know, I think much of this has to do with not my wonderful ability, which is, is what it is. I know I'm not an orator. I get that. God, it's his word. I think we come with an attitude of expectancy. Lord, speak to my heart. He will. He wants to tell us stuff. He don't want us to remain uh, dumb. Now we stand there with like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever. I don't care about any of this stuff. Yeah, hurry up and get done, whatever. And what, what do we do? Do we receive? Well, let God be our judge. But there you have it. I'm all set. Our worship please will come and send us out of here in song. We'll stand. Stretching is okay. It's allowed. <laughs> Said I got a whole hour. Surely I'll be done before. Father, we don't want to be like those who look into your, your word and then forget it immediately. We want to be found observant, obedient. No, we're not going to stone people who are of a different religion, Lord, but we understand the gravity of the situation, Father. We understand that worship is for you and you alone. Help us to weed out any idols out of our life. And help us to be the men the women you've called us to be now. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.